Hi, and welcome to Vet Club. This is going to be another episode of the week. Uh, I think it's week 322. Is that the one we're on? No, you're way older than that. Oh, ouch. It's getting getting mean over here. Yeah. I'm not week 1000. How many how many now I have to figure out how many weeks old I am? Probably more than 1000. I'm it's we're going to round. I'm going to say you're 2117 weeks old. That's pretty close. Cuz how many weeks have we have so far in this year? I don't know. Okay. So we are, how, what did you say again? 2,117. It's pretty close. Um, but no, you were over. <sighs> and in Price is Right rules, you are out of here. Yeah, nobody plays by that rule. Yeah. So it's about 2,080 weeks plus however many weeks we have since the last September. <laughs> um, what month are we in? We're in March. No, we're in no, April. April. <laughs> so wait, it's October, November, December, January, February, March. So yeah, so we'll say approximately 24, so 2080 plus 24, so 2,104. Oh, close. I was 13 off. Yeah, it was I'm way off, good. way off. Very good at estimating numbers. I remember there was one time <laughs> we were in like a bar trivia thing, and they, um, I think they were doing prices Right rules, and they were like, how many home runs has Barry, did Barry Bonds hit? And I guessed the number, and I was one above. Oh, Price is Right, though. You're, you're, they gave it to me anyway. Oh, they did because yeah. they were so close. Yeah, because everybody else, I think, was way, was off. way off. You were closest. And yeah. that, and like, I'm not known as a baseball fan. I'm not really a baseball no, fan. You don't even know all the rules. You're yeah, no. asking me about the rules. Hey, why do they do this? And then you get mad about them. Yeah, the guy that was doing it, he's <laughs> like, he's like, did you know that number? I was like, nah, I kind of know like the Hank Aaron number and I kind of know that he played this much longer. Like it was, wasn't out of nowhere, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I knew, I know it's over 700 and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was just what I thought. Okay, I just He's like, you were one though, off. Like what if we didn't count our ages in years? What if we counted it in weeks? Like they do that with infants and then like toddlers, like, oh, he's 27 weeks. Or like, then they go months. They're like, oh, he's 13 months. And you're just like, no, he's a year. Yeah. Um, so, but what if we did that? What if we just continued to count our ages in weeks? And instead of being 40, I was 2,104. Yeah. It's kind of impressive, actually. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I don't that think you would ever do. But I would command more respect by saying I was I 2,104. I think you would do like, you could do like moons. Yeah. How many months? months. It's kind of like, it's closer to months, yeah. obviously. I mean, it's that's still a lot of moons. Something. All right. So anyhow, that... <laughs> Is that going to be the whole podcast? We just yeah. talk about different units of measure for counting age. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we did all week. <laughs> we just sat around and we calculated our ages using various units well, the of weeks, measure. I, I don't know if week has changed. What do you mean? It's I know changed. the number of months has changed. The number of months? What did it used to be? Uh, and different cultures are going to have different units. So of there's the there's the Julian calendar. Yeah, I remember. I think that has. That. 10 months that sounds right eight or ten no, and then was there was 10. the augustan calendar that which wrong. is close to what we do i think that one has 12 i think it just has one but, month isn't it just august <laughs> where's that where's where is it come on is give it, me my bum bum is it right here i don't know you're supposed to know oh, oh. <laughs> oh you did that on it purpose that one. is that you didn't do that on purpose <laughs> nope that's the rap horn i know that there it is <sighs> like 12 minutes later sorry 12 lunar minutes later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, 
So this week, what did we do this week? So um, at work, since this is a veterinary podcast, I suppose we should talk a little bit about that. Um, so it's kind of started last week and kind of oozed into this week, but um, what it happened. So we had uh, a good post-op case and um, we had a 10-year-old dog, um, a Bichon for say, uh, who had surgery for a cholecystectomy last week. So had the gallbladder removed and this dog had pre-existing protein losing enteropathy and protein losing nephropathy that actually had been well managed with medications until the whole gallbladder thing had a mucosal and had to have surgery. And that kind of threw everything into a tailspin. But, um, I'm not going to go into all the details about this, this case, but what I really wanted to focus on was something we were struggling with during the management, which was, managing this dog's post-operative pain and balancing that out with all of the adverse effects of the pain management that we were dealing with. So um, during anesthesia, the anesthesia team used opioids, which is a pretty common class of drugs to use under anesthesia. They're generally pretty effective. Um, But for post-op, the first night the dog recovered post-operatively, um, it was on a fentanyl CRI, so another opioid. And the next day I was like, oh, this dog has a history of GI disease. We just had surgery on the gallbladder. I'm worried about possible pancreatitis, everything. I'd rather not have it on opioids. So, um, oh no, 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 I'm trying to remember. No, what happened, it was on what a fentanyl, was. what happened was, but it was on the fentanyl CRI and then the overnight doctor was like, I think this dog is still uncomfortable. So started it on a ketamine CRI in addition, um, which I thought was a good call. Um, and then we said, okay, let's see if we can get the dog off the fentanyl CRI because of all the GI side effects. The dog was nauseated. It hadn't been that long since surgery. So it wasn't surprising that it wasn't feeling like eating and that sort of thing. But I just don't like to have them on opioids for very long because they don't want to eat. So we turned the dog off of the fentanyl and just left it on the ketamine. And it did okay for that first day. But then basically that night, it was sort of like this dog's still really restless, just not comfortable restarted it on the fentanyl, got more comfortable. So that's good. But then started just regurgitating constantly, like regurgitating its brains out, which is one of the the main downside of fentanyl and other opioids. And it's not like switching to a different opioid was likely going to make a difference. So we were just battling that. It was like, okay, if we don't have it on, you know, this combination of drugs, the dog's uncomfortable. Nobody wants that. Um, if we do have it on the appropriate pain management, um, the dog is regurgitating, nauseated, doesn't want to eat. And that's not good for this dog that has chronic GI stuff. Like we need it eating. It needs nutrition. It's albumin was super duper low because it has a protein losing enteropathy and that's not good. So we tried a couple other things. We tried adding acetaminophen because the dog had a nasogastric tube in. So we tried oral acetaminophen. It just wasn't quite cutting it. So what we did, which ultimately ended up working for this dog. Um, and, and this is something that you may not have available to you. If you're out in like general practice, probably won't have this available to you. But in specialty practice, um, this is one of those things that I think is underutilized. But we ended up putting uh, an epidural catheter in this dog. And if you're, you know, you're not in the veterinary field, as Topher is not, what you're maybe most, what do you, what does an epidural make you think of? It makes me think of, is it like the things up your butt? <laughs> no, that's an enema. Okay. Um, so <laughs> most, I think. Oh, epidural is a pregnancy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's 
where I thought you were going to I don't go. know. I'm not a doctor. Clearly, you don't know. But like, I feel like most people, All when I was they thinking hear of was epidural. the scene from um, <laughs> Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen, where um, what? there's a, uh, who's his, who's his buddy, Ren? I don't Ren something? No, this is your reference, not yeah. mine. Yeah, there's a, there's like a crazy guy that works with Dracula. And um, there's a scene where they're like, he's being, he says like something out of line. He's like, give him another enema. And I was thinking that was the epidural. But now <laughs> epidural is from when it's a yes. woman in labor screaming. She's like, give me the epidural. epidural. And they're, and they're like, like, it's, it's too late. late. <laughs> That's always what happens. Um, so it wasn't too late for this dog. Good news. But yes, so most of the time, the average person hears epidural and they think, oh, that's what happens with pregnant women. And so basically what uh, uh, most epidurals, it's ba- giving drugs directly into the spinal cord, okay, to the fluid around the spinal cord, not into the spinal cord itself, but into that cerebral spinal fluid space. And um, and then that sort of bathes the spinal cord and can numb the spinal cord, which prevents signals from um, being received and transmitted via the spinal cord. And if you only do it to a segment of the spinal cord, um, you allow you know the top half of the body essentially to keep functioning, and the bottom half goes numb. Which, if you're delivering a baby or if you have post-op pain in your abdomen, maybe some pancreatitis or something like that, it can be really effective for pain control without um, without having the systemic, like you're not going to get the same side effects. So um, when you get an epidural, there's two ways that it can be done. You can get a one-time injection where you just basically put a needle into the space and you inject the drugs. That's what I think happens for most pregnant women. We say, we're going to give you this and it's going to last for four or six hours or whatever like that. And hopefully everything's done by then. Um, maybe they place catheters. I don't know. I've never been through this. But um, so you can either do a one-time injection or you can place a catheter um, like you would put a catheter in a blood vessel. You're just going to place this into the subarachnoid space and that is going to allow you to continue. Like you can give intermittent injections of the same drugs you would do that one time, but you don't have to keep stabbing them. You can just place that just like you would for an IV catheter. So that's what we did. And then we were able to stop all of the what are you doing? I was pushing the button, so I know what the button's oh, doing. Okay, I was like, "What are you? Are you, like, you going to stop recording or something?" I was very confused. Tover's doing things over here, and he's not always telling me about it. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to sneeze. Applause. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, this is your fault for stopping me. What was I saying? You're talking about like the epidurals. You're not listening. So <laughs> we placed a catheter in this dog, and that made a huge difference. So we could, the dog was super comfortable, but wasn't now having all of the adverse side effects of the drugs that we were giving throughout the whole body. So we were localizing the, you know, the pain relief to the area that needed it and not delivering it everywhere else. Um, So So why doesn't like a general practice have that? They could is the short version. So, but it just requires extra training and practice at doing this. And so most, um, I think most veterinarians when they're in school probably get an opportunity a couple of times to maybe do a one-time epidural. Uh, meaning at least I remember I did when I was a student, I got a, a couple opportunities to, you know, do an epidural for a patient. A one-time epidural is used much more commonly. Um, a lot of practices, emergency practices, not necessarily specialty practices, um, 
and general practices will do epidurals for blocked cats. That's a, a great way to, again, provide local kind of regional pain relief without giving systemic drugs and all of the adverse side effects that go along with that. So if you do it a lot, you get really good at it. Um, but you have to decide, hey, this is a thing I want to get good at and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Does and it have like a long shelf life? Does um, does what? Whatever you're injecting into them. Yeah, the drugs could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you injecting into them? Um, so the drugs, the most common ones you're going to use would be a local anesthetic like lidocaine um, and morphine. So it's also an opioid. Um, they are they're preservative free versions of those. They're meant they're designed specifically to go into. Does that mean they um, go bad faster like bread? Yes. So exactly, no preservatives. But um, really, I mean, essentially. Oh, cool. Yeah, I thought I was being stupid. No, you were being right. <laughs> but um, they're not like tons more expensive or anything like that. If you're doing it routinely, it's not that hard to do. The catheter placement is a little bit more challenging technically because um, just like placing an IV catheter, you have to both get the the needle, the stylet into where you want it and then feed the catheter down. But like anything else, if you practice it, that's a thing you can do. Um, and then you just have to have the supplies. So the catheters themselves are different. They're special for... Um, placing in an epidural space. And so it's not the kind of thing if you're not having, if you don't have the caseload where you're going to manage cases like this routinely, if you're not doing a lot of, um, you know, complicated surgeries that require a lot of post-op pain management, then you're, it might not make a lot of sense to keep these things on your shelf. But in specialty practices, I think if you're doing a lot of orthopedic procedures um, where like, you know, pelvic surgeries, TPLOs, total hip replacements, I think epidurals and epidural catheters are underutilized in a lot of places. Again, a lot of pancreatitis cases. So even they've never undergone surgery, but they just have bad, bad pain relief. This is where I really like to use them because the amount of drugs you have to give to manage their pain systemically is often just, it doesn't work. And they, they just, the side effects are prohibitive. And so that's, um, one of the things I really like. So that went really well for this patient this week and she's doing much better. Um, fingers crossed she gets to go home tomorrow. She's been steadily improving, um, you know, ups and downs sliding a little bit forward, but overall, you know, improving uh, a little bit each day. Um, but that was something that I think, we made a big difference for her, um, allowing us to, st- we can't just be like, well, I guess we don't manage her pain, but you can't be like, well, I guess we just have to deal with all these side effects. It's like, well, what other options do we have? And there are other options and we often just don't think about them. Um, and if you don't think about them, you don't do them. But I would just plug for those of you out there, if you're managing a decent size inpatient caseload that has a fair bit of belly pain, um, if that's something you're managing, then Try to figure out if either doing epidurals or placing epidural catheters is something that you could look into because it really doesn't require much. There's not fancy equipment needed. You do have to have the right catheters and you have to carry the drugs, but that's... It's really not that much. It's not that big of an onus. And so you can do this. It's super doable. You can decide you want to find opportunities for continuing education, um, wet labs, things where you could practice it, or um, just, you know, try to apprentice under somebody who you can do that. There's ways to, to figure it out, but you just, you got to try. Um, so anyway, that's the big plug. You can call Bobby. Yeah. I'll totally be like, you should do that. That's a great idea. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked on like YouTube to see if there are any videos or something like that. We actually, in this case, um, the ER doctor, so I was talking with them about it and they were like, we like this idea, let's try it. And they talked to our anesthesia department. So it was the anesthesiologist who placed it. But um, 
I haven't placed one in a while, but I have, and they're not. It's again, it's just, it's like, oh, this is really different. The difference is, unlike when you place a catheter in a blood, in a blood vessel, you get blood coming back and so you're like, I feel confident I'm in the right place um, where you're hopefully not getting blood back in this situation. Um, but there are other um, cues that will be like, oh, I'm in the right place. So just like when you're doing a one-time epidural, um, if you, you know, you go through the different layers of tissue that you think you're supposed to go through and then you get to where you think you're in the right place, um, most of the time you'll place a, a drop of fluid in the stylet and when that fluid just whoop, kind of goes in because you've gotten into the right place. You're like, aha, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, so like the hanging drop technique, I think is what it's officially called, which is a very fancy mm-hmm. term for what it is. Um, and then once you're there, then it's a matter of feeding the catheter through the stylet, just like, again, you would um, any other fancy catheter. So yeah, I have to look and see if there's any cool YouTube videos on yeah, how to that place maybe it. We can make one. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Got all the stuff. Yeah, we do. I can talk Which to Anastasia. Plus, hey, next time videos. you guys are going to do this. Oh, what? What? We have videos. We do? On YouTube. We've had videos for a long time. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't, I we have, you meant, we like, have a few ones. real videos. We have one where it's Bobby we arguing with ones? herself. Oh, yeah. Some of them are just the, the podcast. The podcast that, yeah, we're talking. And but then we, I just yeah. recently made three. Yeah. Instructional videos, like house. first aid things. Yeah. For our open house. Did we talk about that already? I feel uh, like we talked about open house. But yeah, we have a YouTube channel. I think we've yeah. got like a dozen videos on there. And yeah, like and you just go to 14 Dr. Views. Bobby. Yes, uh, Topher named it, to be clear. It's a good name. I mean, I like my name, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, I just remembered some other things we have to do. We have to finish, like, I finalizing our logo and making our t-shirts. Yeah. If you want a t-shirt, email us. Yeah. They'll be $700 each. Maybe. Or more. I don't know. Min- minimums. <laughs> Um, that's kind of the big thing I wanted to talk about from this week. That was the, the fun, interesting, I think thing that came up, at least in my mind, Mm -hmm. I guess you guys can decide for yourselves if you think it's fun and or interesting. Um, anything else fun? What else did we do this week? We saw Morpheus, which is about Morbius. Morpheus was from the matrix. Yeah. (laughs) We saw Morbius. Yeah. Which is about coagulation. They said that, but it was not really. Right? And what disease did they have? Did they it have some clear. fancy disease? No, yeah. I think they just made up a disease. Yeah. Yeah. And they also made up like a fake replacement blood product that was blue. Yeah. Um, which was cool. But it was I don't a know if failure. That was, I don't know. I don't, well, it wasn't completely a failure. I don't know if that was supposed to be like a play on um, horseshoe crab. Yeah, um, probably. Blood. So that was kind of, but they didn't go into detail on that. You always have to, I, I mostly try to ignore the sciencey stuff that they say. Cause I'm like, mm, this is just going to annoy me if I think about <laughs> it too much. Um, so yeah, they mentioned coagulation. I was like, mm, if that's the case, the treatment you guys are giving wouldn't work. So ignore everything after this. <laughs> Cause they were giving red blood cell transfusions. And I was like, that's not how you treat any coagulopathy ever. That's wrong. So no. Um, now if they're bleeding from their coagulopathy, you could, temporarily help the anemia but they weren't bleeding in any of these scenarios so why did you bring this up because now i'm going to talk about what was wrong with the science um <laughs> they were it was a good movie i enjoyed looking. the movie they what they were very anemic looking no i thought they were they're like super pale the kids weren't oh you can't do that to kids oh <laughs> okay um but jared leto and only when he was yeah, yeah i guess yeah anyway he did get a tan in between <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. It was good. Yeah. 
but don't focus too much on the science of it because it's a comic book. And then we saw X, which was a horror one. Yeah. That uh, that had blood in the other way. And like yes. Coming out of people. Instead of going into them. That's true. Um, that one was, yeah, I, I thought it was entertaining. I'm not a huge fan like of the horror. There were a couple scenes I had to yeah, look Yeah, there was a great scene where you were trying to look away and then you look back and it's right when it happened. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen. That I know what's going to happen. Let me know when it's done. And then it wasn't happening. And there was a lot of suspense. Dude, I didn't tell you it was done. You did it, but I was like, they've got to be Should done now. Back. Oh, I saw it. God. You know what's funny is when those things happen in real life, an animal came in with that injury. I'd be like, oh, okay, we got to deal with this. But like waiting for it to happen like having them build it up like oh just wait there's so much foreshadowing they're like oh yeah. we have this thing and you know what's going to happen and then they just wait and wait and wait and you're like why are these people doing these dumb things of course this is what's going to happen and then it happens and you're I like i feel like the new Ugh. scream movie's done the best job with that where it's like the fake psych outs yeah they did a lot of fake psych outs yeah it's like movie. oh this person's gonna get stabbed and then they don't and then they don't and then they don't and then they don't and you're just like oh i guess they're not it. and, and then, then they, they do <laughs> Yeah, as soon as you kind of like, I guess that's not going to happen. Oh, now it happens. But it wasn't even like the same thing you thought it was going to be. It was something totally different. Yeah, Topher likes the horror movies. I think you like bringing me to the theater to watch the horror movies. Yeah, it's fun. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Yeah, Enjoy with me being like, which is ironic because if he looks through my phone with actual patients with blood, he's like, oh, this is disgusting. But seeing it like you and I are opposites in that regard, which is really strange. Yeah. I'd rather see like an actor with makeup on <laughs> than the inside of a puppy yeah but when the inside of the puppy like comes on the outside there's no like suspenseful music playing and there's not like some but it's villain like an actual in the background puppy. there is a villain who i don't know probably like a car well that that's not this that's not a villain only in christine was that a villain <laughs> um yeah, like the fake stuff. I'm just like, God, why Why am I watching? Why are you making me watch this? But in real life, I'm like, ooh, that's a good injury. Let's see what we can do to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't take that attitude in the movie. Because I don't have an opportunity to fix this. They're in the movies. Ooh, I can't do anything. alligator bite. They all just die. I wonder how die. you would cure that. They all just die. I actually have dealt with that in a dog before. <laughs> <laughs> um, not in the same way it happened in the movie, but, you know, yeah. not to give too much away. Yeah. There's an alligator in the movie. Yeah, they are in the South. Take take a guess at what happens to <laughs> a character. Um, uh, spoiler dude, alert. We're supposed to say that before we spoil it. Nah. They'll be fine. Nobody else yeah. is going to see that. You're not going to figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, we yeah. redid our laundry floors. Oh, yeah. We redid the floors in our laundry room so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. So that was that was fun. Um, we and redid the baseboards. I really like how the baseboards turned out. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And we moved some furniture around, getting the guest room more guest roomy. Yeah, less closety. We essentially <laughs> turned our closet into the way it was in our Florida house. Yeah, with our closet in the our laundry closet room. in the laundry room is the same room, which we like because it makes sense. That's what everyone should do. You don't have to move stuff around. Yeah, like all your clothes are they're in the room unless you are wearing them. They are in that room. Yeah. It's genius. Everyone should do this. Thanks, you Arthur Ruttenberg. Was that where we got the idea? Yeah. I thought it was on that um, house website. No, Arthur Ruttenberg, one of the houses we looked at, they cool. had a laundry room in, next to the bedroom across from a closet. Yeah. But it was yeah. like a like a closet. But it was like room. a room in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Arthur Ruttenberg's very fancy houses. And then we saw, but then I also saw some other examples of that and it was like, okay, yeah, this is the thing we could do. Yeah. So yeah. So that's kind of, Probably a thing we'll forever do. Laundry room slash closet, same space. It's good stuff. All right. We, we talked a little bit about vet stuff today. Yeah, you talked a lot. <laughs> I feel like I feel like 
from a how many minutes did we spend on vet stuff versus other stuff, it was maybe a one to one ratio. <laughs> um, so sorry if you feel like we wasted your time um, and then not sorry if you enjoyed it and uh, let us know. We never really ask you guys to let us know, but feel free to let us know if you're like, hey, stop talking about the movies you've seen. Nobody cares. Or if you're like, hey, maybe do a podcast just on movies. <laughs> <laughs> let us know and uh, we will uh, we will try to oh, give, we can you, do give you what you want. Episode by episode analysis of Ted Lasso. <gasps> oh my gosh. Can we? <laughs> we'll do that. All right. If you're uh, a Ted Lasso fan, good for you. You're You're correct. If you're not, I'm assuming it's because you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. That's the only possible explanation for not being a Ted Lasso fan. So yeah, that's we'll do that next time. Okay. <laughs> See Bye. ya. Bye.